Chapter 27, Part 1 of Marie Antoinette and Her Son. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Marie Antoinette and Her Son by Louise Muehlbach. The Hobby Horse. In accordance with the instructions of Pétion, playthings were procured and carried into the gloomy chamber of the prince on the very next day, and set by the side of the sick boy. But Mistress Simon laboured in vain trying to amuse the little Louis with them. The men danced, the wooden cocks crowed, the dogs barked, and to all these sounds the child paid no heed. It did not once open its eyes, nor care in the least for the many-coloured things which the officials had brought him. We must try something else, said the compassionate officer. Do you know any plaything which would be likely to please little Louis Capet? Give him a riding horse, cried Simon with a coarse laugh. I am convinced if the obstinate youngster should hear that there was a riding horse outside, and that he might ride through Paris, he would be well on the spot and get up. It is pure deceit, his lying there so pale and without interest in anything about him. "'You are very cruel, citizen,' muttered the official, with a compassionate glance at the child. "'Cruel? Yes, I am cruel,' said Simon grimly. "'But it is the cursed prison air that has made me so. "'If I stay here a week longer, Jeanie Marie will die, and I shall become crazy. "'The director of the hospital told us this, and you know, citizen, that he is the most clever doctor in all France. "'See if you would not be cruel if you had such an idea as that in your head.' "'Well, citizen, you have at least the satisfaction of knowing that it will not last long,' answered the offer consolingly. "'The first vacancy is to be given to you.' "'Well, I hope it will come soon, then,' said Simon, with a sigh. "'I will take a vow to you. If, in a week, I shall be released in this place and get a good situation, I will give little Capet a horse to remember me by. That is, not a horse on which he might ride out of prison, but a wooden one, on which he can ride in prison. Say, little Capet,' called Simon, stooping over the bed of the child, "'would you not like to have a nice wooden horse to play with?' Over the pale lips of the boy played the faint tint of a smile, and he opened his eyes. Yes, he said softly, yes, I should like to have a wooden horse, and I should have a good time with it. Come, citizen, said Simon solemnly, I take you to witness my vow. If I receive another place, I give a hobby horse to little Capet. You get me the privilege, citizen. I allow you, citizen Simon, and I will report the matter to the Public Welfare Committee, that it shall surprise no one by and by, and I am sure no one will gainsay you and your praiseworthy offer, for it certainly is praiseworthy to prepare a pleasure for a sick child, and the great republic, which is the gracious mother of all Frenchmen, will pity the poor child too. I wish you success, citizen, in the fulfillment of all your hopes, and trust that you will speedily be released from your trying imprisonment. And, in fact, this release did not have to be waited for long. A few days brought the accomplishment of Dr. Newdaw's prophecy, and the official guard, who was then sick at the Hotel Dieu, died. The director of the hospital hastened to inform the authorities of this event, and on the same day Simon was appointed his successor. The same official who had brought the sick prince the playthings came again to inform Simon of his release, and was delighted at the stormy outbreak of rapturous joy with which the tidings were received. We will be off directly, cried Simon. Our things have all been packed for three days, and everything is ready. 
but you must wait patiently till tomorrow my friends said the official with a smile your successor cannot enter upon his duties here in the temple before tomorrow morning at ten o'clock until then you must be content to wait quietly that is sad sighed simon the time between now and ten o'clock tomorrow morning will lie like lead upon my shoulders i assure you citizen the temple could get along without me for one night the two mrs capets above stairs are locked up and as for the little capet down here it is not necessary to lock him up for he will not run away but lie quietly here upon his mattress so the child is really very sick asked the officer with feeling not exactly very sick answered simon indifferently but dr new who visits him every day thinks that the youngster might not be all right in the head and he has ordered on this account that his long thick hair should be cut off that his head might be a little cooler so jeanie marie is going to cut it off and that will probably be the last service that she will have to do for him we are going to clear out of this we are going to clear out of this and have you really nothing more to do for the little capet than merely to cut off his hair asked the officer with a fixed searching look no answered simon with a laugh nothing but that oh yes there is something else i did not think of that my vow to you i forgot that i swore that if i were to get away from here i would give little capet a hobby horse i am glad citizen simon that you remember your promise said the officer gravely i must tell you that the public welfare committee to which i communicated your intention was very curious to know whether citizen simon would remember to carry it into effect it is on this account that i was instructed to inform you of your transfer and to report to them whether you intend to keep your promise your superiors will rejoice to learn that you are a man of honour with whom it is a sacred duty to keep his word and who in prosperous days does not forget to do what he promised to do in less propitious times so go and buy for little capet the promised hobby horse and i will inform the welfare committee that it was not necessary for me to remind you of your vow and that you are not only a good citizen but a good man as well go and buy the plaything and make your arrangements to leave the temple to-morrow morning at ten o'clock and to enter upon your new duties as collector of customs at porte masson the great bell of notre dame will not have growled out its ten strokes to-morrow morning before jeanie marie and i with our goods will have left the place replied simon with a laugh and now i will run and fulfil my promise he clapped his red flannel cap upon his black thick hair and left the temple with a hurried step as the porter opened the door of the court which led to the street for the worthy citizen and man of honour simon stopped a moment to chat telling him of his new situation and of the vow which he was about to discharge do not wonder therefore citizen he said if you see me come back by and by with a horse with this distinction that it will not be the horse that carries me but that it will be i that will carry the horse i was such a fool as to promise little capet a horse and i must keep my word particularly as the committee of safety allows it well if that is so said the porter with mock gravity i shall let you in even if you do not make your appearance until night with the permission of the safety committee everything without it nothing for i want to keep my head a little longer on my shoulders and i do not grudge you the privilege said simon with a broad grin we know very little about what we have here but much less about the place where the dear machine takes us but if you like you can ask roger the official guard whether i have permission to bring the wooden horse into the temple he is inside and will probably be there when i come back 
he nodded to the porter and went out into the street as the door closed behind him simon stopped a moment and cast a quick glance up and down the street above at the corner of the little cross street stood quietly a young commissioner in his blouse apparently waiting for someone to employ him simon crossed the street and went up to him well asked the latter aloud have you anything for me to do citizen yes answered simon softly and quickly yes tula i am all ready for you tomorrow morning at ten o'clock i leave the temple i know it whispered tula but speak loudly there stands a man who seems to be watching us come cried simon loudly i want you to accompany me to a store where they sell playthings and afterward you must help carry back what i buy for it will be too large and too heavy for me alone tula followed him without replying and the two went quietly and with an air of indifference to the busy crowd of men at the corner of a neighboring street the commissioner came in gentle contact with another who was standing on the curbstone and was looking earnestly down the street beg pardon citizen said tula loudly and then added softly tomorrow morning at ten o'clock the washerwomen will take charge of the dirty linen at the door at exactly ten the wagons and the boys must start the hobby horse will be filled yes it shall be filled and with an indifferent air he passed by the two and walked down the helder street the farther he went the more rapid became his steps and when he at last entered a narrow solitary alley where he might hope to be less observed his quick walk became a run and he continued till he reached the rue vivienne he then moderated his pace and went quietly into a toy shop whose attractive windows and open door were directed to the street the clerk who stood behind the counter asked with a quiet air what he desired first allow me to sit down citizen answered the commissioner as he sank upon the rush chair which stood before the counter there and now if you want to do me a service just give me a glass of water hello john cried the clerk to the errand boy who was standing in the hack part of the store bring a glass of water from the well hasten the boy took a glass and sprang out of the door into the street in a quarter of an hour they will be here said the commissioner quickly inform the marquis if you please the cabinet-maker lambert you mean whispered the clerk he is not as far away as you he lives directly opposite and he has been standing all day at the house door waiting for the sign then give it to him dear baron said the commissioner and as the boy came in just then with the water hastily seized the glass and took a swallow so immense as to perfectly satisfy the boy who was looking at him the clerk had in the meantime gone to the shop door and looking across at the opposite house he drew a blue handkerchief with a red border from his pocket and slowly raised it to his face the man in the blouse standing at the door of the low house across the street nodded slightly and stepped back out of sight well cried the commissioner now that i have taken breath and have had a good drink i will tell you why i have run so i have directed a citizen to you who wants to buy some playthings and something very fine i suppose as he brings the commissioner along with him to carry the things home now i want to know what percent of the profit you get from him you are willing to give to me for you cannot expect citizen that i should give my recommendation gratis i am not the owner of the store replied the clerk with a shrug i have been here only a week and manage the business merely while the owner is absent for a short time on unnecessary journey so i can give no fees but ask the boy whether in such cases monsieur duval has paid money he has been here longer than i 
Monsieur Duval has paid every commissioner who has brought him such news two centimes on the franc, said the boy with an important air. Well, then, I will give you two centimes on the franc, provided that the citizen buys more than a franc's worth. Aha! There comes the man, cried the commissioner, pointing at Simon, who just then entered the store with two law. Well, citizen, now make a very handsome purchase, for the more you buy, the better I shall like it. Yes, I believe you, replied Simon, laughing. That is the way in all stores. I want something nice. I want to buy a hobby horse. But mind you, citizen, show me one of your best ones, a real blood horse, for I tell you that he who is to ride it is of real blood himself. Yet, but unfortunately, to have a limited supply of the article, said the clerk with a shrug, they do not come exactly in our line. But there has been so much demand for hobby horses of late that we have ordered some. And if you will wait a few days, citizen— A few days, interrupted Simon angrily. Not a few hours, not a few minutes will I wait. If you have no hobby horses, tell me, and I will go elsewhere to make my purchase. He turned to go, but the clerk held him back. Wait only a minute, he said. I should not like to lose your custom, and I think it possible that i can procure you a fine horse the cabinet maker who makes our horses lives just opposite and he has promised to deliver them to-morrow the boy shall go over and see if they are not ready we would rather go over with him citizen if we find what is wanted we shall need to go no farther it is true that will be the best course said simon come commissioner i will go along to have the business all rightly done said the clerk here john take my place behind the counter while i am gone Simon had already crossed the street by the side of Toulon. The clerk followed with the second commissioner. "'Why have you not got rid of the boy, Count St. Pricks?' asked the latter. "'It was impossible, Count Fraud,' answered the former in a whisper. "'Duval is a very nervous man, and he supposed that it would excite suspicion if the boy, who was well known in the neighbourhood, should disappear at just the time when he should be away. He is right, perhaps, and at any rate the thing is unavoidable. The sly chore boy has noticed nothing, I hope, and we shall reach our goal without any hindrance. You are going to London tomorrow morning?' "'Yes, Count.' And you, what is your direction? To Coblenz, to the royal princes, replied Count St. Prix. Only I suspect that we shall not both of us reach the end of our journeys. At any rate, not with the children that we shall take with us, whispered the other, as they entered the house of the cabinet maker. They found Simon and Toulon in the large workshop, busily engaged in bargaining with the cabinet maker, who had shown them six tolerably large hobby horses and was descanting on their beauties. It seems to me they all look very much alike, said Simon. Tell me, Commissioner, which of these race horses pleases you best? This with the red flanks, said Toulon, laying his hand upon the largest one. It is an immense creature, said Simon with a laugh. Still, the red flanks are pretty, and if we can agree about the price, I will buy the animal. They did agree, and after Simon had gravely paid the twenty francs, he and Toulon took the horse on their shoulders and marched down the streets. Do all those people know about our secret? asked Simon as they strode forward. No, only the cabinet maker knows about it, and he will leave Paris tomorrow and carry the prince to a place of safety. For God's sake, do not speak so loudly, whispered Simon, casting an anxious look around. But why do you yourself not go away with the boy and leave Paris, where you are constantly in danger? I cannot, answered Toulon simply. Cannot? What forbids you? the vow that i gave to marie antoinette to rescue her children from the temple or to die 
Well, but tomorrow you hope to fulfill your vow, and then you can go. I shall fulfill tomorrow but the half of my vow. I shall, if you help me and my plan succeeds, release the son of the queen, but the daughter will remain behind in prison. You see, therefore, that I cannot leave Paris, for the daughter and sister-in-law of the queen are still prisoners, and I must release them. But I should rather that you would go away with the boy and never come back to Paris, said Simon thoughtfully. How so? Do you not trust me? I trust no one, replied Simon gloomily. You might some day, when it might suit your humor, or in order to save yourself, betray me and report me to the Committee of Safety. What? I? And ought I not to fear too? Could you not betray me as well? You know very well that I shall take care not to disclose a word of this whole history, for to disclose it would be to write my own death warrant. But hush now, hush! There is the temple, and it seems to me as if the very walls looked at me maliciously, as if they wanted to say, There comes a traitor. Ah, to law, it is a bad thing to have an accusing conscience. Help me faithfully to save the Prince Simon, and you will have a good conscience all the rest of your life for you will have done a grand and noble deed in your eyes whispered simon but not in those of the convention and when they learn about it but here we are and our talk and reconsideration are too late he struck three times with his fist against the closed gate of the outer court the porter opened and let the two men in only saying that the guard had given his special consent to the bringing in of the hobby horse but about the commissioner whom you bring with you said the porter reflectively he did not make any mention and i can only allow him to take your plaything into the second court he must not go into the temple it is no particular wish of mine to go into a prison answered the commissioner carelessly it is a good deal easier to get in than to get out again well take hold citizen simon forward they walked on to the second court now then whispered toulon for caution and thoughtfulness to-morrow at ten o'clock i will be standing before the door you will call me in to help you in your moving i wish it were all over groaned simon it seems to me as if my head were shaking on my shoulder and my heart beats as if i were a young girl courage simon only courage remember that to-morrow you are to be a free and rich man then as soon as you give your basket to the washwoman at the masson gate i will pay you the promised twenty thousand francs and halt cried the sentinel at the entrance to the temple no one can go in here without a pass you do not want to pass for my rocking horse brother citizen do you asked simon with a laugh nonsense i was speaking about the commissioner he is going of himself and does not want to go in but look him square in the face for he will come to-morrow morning again i have secured him in advance to help me in moving out bring a wagon along commissioner for the things will be too heavy to carry without one and now help put the horse on my shoulders so well then to-morrow morning at ten commissioner to-morrow morning at ten replied toulon nodding to simon and slowly sauntering through the court he stopped at the outer gate told the porter that he was going to assist simon in his moving on the morrow and then asked in an indifferent tone whether simon's successor at the temple was appointed why would you like the place asked the porter gruffly no indeed not i i have no taste for such work it must be an awful air in the prison it is that replied the porter and so after simon has moved out they are going to cleanse the place a little and give it an airing and the successor will move in about noon 
Well, I don't envy the man who moves in, said Tula with a laugh. Goodbye, citizen. We shall see each other tomorrow. He went out into the street and slowly sauntered along. At the end of it, he stopped and gave a trifle to a beggar who, supported by a crutch, was leaning against a house. Is it all right thus far? Yes, Marquis, thank God. Thus far, everything has gone on well. The horse is in the temple, and nothing is discovered. May the grace of God stand by us tomorrow, whispered the beggar. You are sure that all the arrangements are carefully attended to? Entirely sure, Monsieur de Georget. While you are leaving Paris in the garb of a washerwoman, our two allies will both be driving out of two other gates with the boy in stylish carriages. And it will be you, Toulon, who will have saved the King of France, whispered the beggar. Oh, be sure that all France will thank you for it some day and give you the title of saviour of your country. Baron, said Toulon, shaking his head, for me there is but one title of honour, that which the Queen of France gave me. I am called Fidele, and I want no other name, but this one I will maintain so long as I live. Good-bye till we meet tomorrow at the Porte Masson. Little Prince Louis Charles received the hobby horse, which Simon carried into the chamber, with a little more interest than in the case of the other playthings. He even raised himself up a little on his mattress, and directed a long, searching gaze at the tall, handsome wooden creature. Well, asked the official, who had gone with Simon into the dungeon, and had watched the effect of the toy, well, how does your horse please you, little Capet? The boy nodded slowly, but made no reply. He only reached out his long, thin right hand and made a motion as if he wanted to rise. Tomorrow, little Capet, cried Jeannie Marie, holding him back. Today you must keep entirely still, so the doctor said, and I will cut your hair off directly, as the doctor ordered. But I should like to have you here, citizen, and oversee the operation. The boy will look much changed when his long yellow hair is cut off, and afterward it might be supposed— Yes, certainly, interrupted Simon with a laugh. Afterward it might be supposed that it is not the stupid youngster who has troubled us so long, but out of pure tenderness in love we had taken him along with us no one would consider the republican simon capable of such a thing replied the official and besides the boy will stay here and no substitute for him can fall out of the clouds be free from care simon i myself shall recognize the boy to-morrow and if he should look changed in appearance i shall know how it comes Yes, he will know how it comes, said Simon with a grin, as he watched the retreating form of the official, now leaving the prison. Lock the door, Simon, whispered Jeannie Marie. We must let the boy out of this if he is not to be stifled. No, no, said Simon, motioning his wife to retreat from the hobby horse which she was approaching. He will not be stifled, for beneath the saddle cloth there are nothing but air holes, and he can endure it a good while. We must, above all things, be cautious and prepared for everything. It would be a fine thing, would it not, if the officials who are on guard in the temple should conceive the idea of making the rounds a second time for the purpose of inspection. He cannot be carried out before it strikes ten from Notre Dame. We will, however, give him a little more air. He removed the saddle with care, which was let into the back of the wooden horse, and listened at the opening. He breathes very peacefully and evenly, he said then, softly. He seems to be asleep. Jeannie Marie, hold the saddle in your hand, and at the least approach, fit it again in its place. I will now take hold and pack our things. 
when the night came and the last rounds had been made past the closed doors of simon's rooms and the officials had withdrawn into the great hall where they stayed during the night watch there was an unusual stir within simon's apartments jeanie marie who had thrown herself in her clothes upon the bed slipped out from beneath the coverlet simon who was standing near the door listening advanced to the little prince and bade him in a whisper to get up the child which now seemed to have recovered from its indifference and stupidity rose at once and at simon's further command made an effort to remove his clothes and to put on in their place the coarse woolen suit and the linen trousers which simon drew out of his bed and handed to him the toilette was soon completed and the little prince looked with a timid inquiring glance at simon who was regarding him with a searching eye and the stockings master he asked do not i have any stockings no growled simon no the son of a washerwoman wants no stockings there are some wooden shoes which will be laid for you in the basket and you put them on afterward if we are fortunate in getting away but you must cut his hair jeanie marie with long hair he will not look like a boy from the people jeanie marie shuddered i cannot she whispered it would seem to me as if i were cutting off his head and the woman in white would stand behind me and pierce me through with her great eyes come come that old story again growled simon give me the scissors then i will take care of it for the boy must part with his hair before he goes into the basket come come do not shrink and curl up so i was not speaking of the guillotine basket but of your dirty clothes basket come capet i want to cut your hair he took the great shears from the work basket and sat down on a stool by the side of the table on which burned a dim tallow candle throwing an uncertain light through the apartment come capet the boy stole up with an insecure step and shrank together when simon seized him and drew him between his knees do not hurt him simon be careful of him whispered jeanie marie sinking on the floor and folding her hands remember husband that she is here and that she is looking at you and that she bores into my head with her eyes when you do any harm to the child simon looked around with a shy and anxious glance it is high time that we were away from here he growled high time if i am not to be crazy as well as you stoop down capet so that i can cut your hair off the child let his head fall but a faint carefully suppressed sob came from his breast while simon's shears went clashing through his locks severing them from his head what are you crying for capet asked simon zealously going forward with his work i am so sorry master to have my locks cut off you probably suppose you vain monkey that your locks are particularly beautiful oh no master it is only said the boy with his eyes full of tears it is only because her hand has rested on them and because she kissed them when i saw her the last time who is she asked simon roughly my mamma queen replied louis with such a tone of tenderness as to bring tears into the eyes of jeanie marie and even to move the cobbler himself hush she said softly hush you must never call your mother by such name after to-morrow morning you are to be the son of a washerwoman remember that and now be still there your hair is done now pick up the locks on the floor and lay them on the table jeanie marie we must leave them here that the officer may find them in the morning and not wonder if he does not recognize the urchin now we will bring the wash-basket and see whether young capet will go into it he brought out of the chamber a high covered basket grasped the boy thrust him in and ordered him to lie down on the bottom of the basket 
he exactly fits said simon to his wife we will now throw some dirty clothes over him and he can spend the night in the basket we must be ready for anything for there are many distrustful officials and it would not be the first time that they have made examinations in the night little capet must remain in the basket and now we will take his substitute out of the house he went to the hobby horse took out some screws which ran along the edges of the upholstery and then carefully removed the upper part of the animal from the lower in the hollow thus brought to light lay a pale sick boy with closed eyes the nephew of the marquis de Jarget, the last descendant of the baroness de tarcliffe now as all his ancestors had done to give his life for his king end of chapter twenty seven part one read by ella barnett